Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey, everybody. You are now part of another 20-Minute Bible Study. Thanks for joining us. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. In our last lesson, we examined a passage from the Apostle Peter's first letter. Today, we'll be studying 2 Peter and a prophecy about the end times. Join us now as we listen to the Word of God. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11. As always, we begin with the space method. Space is just an acronym that represents the word speaker for SP, audience A, context C, and explanation E, thus space. We created this acronym to remind Bible students to think about who is speaking and to whom, what was happening at the time, and then, of course, the theme and message of the verses leading up to the Scripture reading. We believe it's critical to consider these things before attempting to interpret Scripture. So, Jordan, let's use the space method here. Okay, the speaker is the Apostle Peter, one of the twelve disciples. We learn that from 2 Peter 1.1, which says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, as we discussed last time, Peter was the Apostle of Apostles. He was the first disciple chosen by Jesus, the disciple who confessed Jesus as the Messiah, the one who defended the gospel before the Sanhedrin, and the leader who preached the first Christian sermon at Pentecost. He was with Jesus during events witnessed by only a few apostles, such as the Transfiguration. In fact, Peter alludes to this in the introduction to this letter. 2 Peter 1, verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance, made from heaven, when we were with him on the holy mountain. Okay, Jordan, so that confirms the speaker. Now let's look at the audience. The audience is not mentioned, but it is implied to be the same as 1 Peter. And at the beginning of chapter 3, Peter writes, 
This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So that ties it to 1 Peter, which was addressed to the churches, which were, again, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Most of the letters of the Bible were circulated among many different churches at the time, and that's probably the case here as well. So the main point is that the audience is saved people who are mature in their faith. As for the context, it's a rise in false teaching. Peter wrote his letters near the end of his life, and his first letter advised the church on how to deal with persecution. That was the main theme. The Roman emperor Nero had made Christians scapegoats, and they risked loss of livelihood, torture, and even death by practicing their faith. That was the external threat, but the internal threat at this time was false teachings. In this second letter, Peter alerts the flock to the nature and consequences of these, quote, destructive heresies and those who teach them. And he uses very strong language at times. Yeah, so I'll give a couple examples, Jordan. Second Peter chapter 2 reads, Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Verse 13, They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way they have gone astray. And down to verse 17, these are springs without water and mists driven by the storm. And here's the key, for whom the blackness of darkness has been reserved. Yes, we've discussed the black darkness or blackness of darkness before in our study of Gehenna and the three different places mentioned in the Bible that we mistakenly lump together and all call hell. The phrase black darkness also appears in Jude 12 to 13 in a passage that sounds a lot like the verse we just heard. And I'll go ahead and read that. Jude verse 12. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness, or blackness of darkness, depending on your translation, has been reserved forever. And again, um, I just want to point out that word forever, as we mentioned in our last study, is more precisely for an eon or for an age. Good point, Jordan. And the thing to remember here is that the blackness of darkness is a specific place that is only mentioned in the Bible in the context of false teachers. And other scriptures talk about the outer darkness, of course, we read a lot about that in Matthew, which is a place for Christians who fail to do good works. Once again, it's not for the lost man, and it's not for a Christian that loses his salvation. But this is more of a timeout, if you will, for Christians who do not do enough good works in their spiritual walk while on the earth. But on the other hand, blackness of darkness or black darkness, that place seems to be only for corrupt Christians who are actively working against the faith in service of their own carnal desires. In other words, they were once on the right path and all of a sudden, you know, I guess you could say they snapped and are trying to get Christians off the right track. They're actually deterring a Christian. Right. Actively working against God as false teachers. It's important to realize that this place is not what we think of as hell, Andy, because yeah. 
The place reserved for the unsaved is the lake of fire. And again, these false teachers are saved. How do we know they're saved? Well, let's continue reading from chapter 2 in verse 20. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world, by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Yeah, you know, Jordan, I'm sorry to interrupt you there for a quick second, but, you know, this kind of makes me think a little bit about our Arminian brothers out there um, who possibly might believe that, you know, you know, from not understanding the pure milk that might think that, you know, the, Hey, this is a perfect, these are, these are perfect scriptures to show that a person can lose their salvation. But, you know, and we can go on and on about this and I don't want to go to a rabbit hole, but one common sense thing I just want to mention here is that, you know, how could a Christian who was once on the right path and then possibly because of, you know, bad works ended up forfeiting their salvation get more judgment or or possibly go deeper in the lake of fire and get tortured more than someone who never was a Christian and worshiped the devil for right. se, you know per se or doesn't was a serial killer it just doesn't make sense so you know these are things that we have to be smarter we have to be wiser and that's exactly what our ministry is about is we want to do our best by the influence of the Holy Spirit to look at these little nuances and know the difference right so we want everyone to be on the same page it's not that you know one Christian or is wrong or right. It just depends on the context of what the topic might be. Otherwise, there's going to be confusion. So anyway, moving on, Jordan, talk a little bit about verse 20. Yeah, I mean, if anyone hearing verse 20 believes, and this is to your point, Andy, that getting overcome with the defilement somehow means loss of salvation, we strongly encourage you to listen to our last episode, our last lesson on First Peter 3, 18 through 20, which, which was titled, Christ Died Once for All, because that's what it says in that scripture. And that lesson, we go over all the verses that prove salvation can't be lost, no matter how sinfully the saved behave. And listen, we didn't do anything to get our salvation, so we can't do anything to give it back, no matter how sinful we become. Huge point. That said, going to the black darkness or the blackness of darkness for an eon doesn't sound like anything that I'd want to experience or wish on my worst enemy even. Yeah, I mean, think about it now. I mean, if a person does something extreme like murders, right? First degree murder premeditated murder life sentence is 20 25 years this is a thousand years mm-hmm. a thousand year time out weeping and gnashing of teeth and in this particular place blackness of darkness is actually worse um you know it's more of a, where there's absolutely no light at all to the point where you know scripture teaches in the old testament where it's actually a painful darkness but this is god's way of rebuking and purifying his children even the bad children. And at the end of the day, it's all for good, right? All things happen for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. So, yeah, I mean, if there wasn't punishment for Christians and, you know, none of us are excluded, so we have to be careful, then, you know what, we would kind of like try to get away with murder, right? So this is God's way of showing there's still law, there's still a way that we need to walk um, in fear of God, but fear of God for the right reason, not that we could lose our salvation spiritually, but that we could be punished and we could lose our inheritance, the opportunity to be with Jesus Christ on the earth during the millennial kingdom, which is something we're going to talk about in this specific teaching today. Yeah, you know, the name of our overarching ministry is Mysteries of the Kingdom, M-O-T-K, and I recommend to anybody that 
we, we understand this is a tough teaching and you're hearing, maybe you're hearing things for the first time and you're, that doesn't sound right. And my pastor told me something different. So we, we strongly recommend that you take time with an open Bible, go to motk.org.org, go into the archives, look for our series. It's a four or five part series we did on Gehenna and the various hells. And once you go through all that with an open Bible, we think you'll see it. Uh, it's really hard to kind of, you know, prove it to you with scripture here in, in this short time. But moving on to chapter 3 and the verses that immediately precede our scripture reading today, Peter's main point is to warn the congregation, the church is about skeptics in this chapter, who say that we should live for the flesh because Jesus isn't coming back. Um, He reminds his audience that the people in Noah's time said the same type of thing right before God destroyed them in the world with the flood. He prophesies in verse 7 of chapter 3 that similarly, quote, By his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Yeah, Jordan, he also points out two important things. First, God's perception of time is much different than ours because God is outside of time. Right. And in verse 8, you know, to quote him, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day to man. And, you know, this echoes Psalm 90, verse 4, which also says, For a thousand years in your sight, Lord, are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. And then the second point, God's delay is actually mercy, if you think about it. Because in verse 9 it reads, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Praise God. Amen. That brings us to our scripture reading with enough information to attempt an explanation. Let's reread and break down today's verses, Andy, and and I'll start. 2 Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So a couple questions for you, Andy. When is the day of the Lord, and is it the rapture? Well, in, in the simplest terms, Jordan, the day of the Lord represents the entire episode of the second coming. So yes, it become it starts with the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming, which first it's the taking home of the church, which is the rapture. But it's not just one day. It actually is a figurative statement, which represents the end times, if you will, right? So it's everything from the rapture up until the the beginning of the millennial kingdom. So it's approximately seven years. And then uh, that term, like a thief, what does that mean and where have we heard it before? Okay, Jordan, so that's a great question. Actually, in the Gospels, it's mentioned a few times, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the second coming as they ask questions, and he's giving them some insight in you know, what to expect. But for context, I'm going to actually pick it up at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you will, and verse 2, and it reads, For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they're saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of the light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. 
Yeah, there are a couple other verses that mention that thief analogy uh, in Revelation. Revelation 3, verses 2 to 3, in the message to Sardis, it says, Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come. And then Revelation 16, 15 says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes, so that he will not walk about naked, and men will not see his shame. Thanks, Jordan. So, moving on, Peter describes a heaven and earth destroying event here in verse 10. You know, Pastor Whipple theorized that it will be a nuclear holocaust. That was kind of like his way of explaining, possibly causing a visual for us to understand. And if you consider it, nuclear destruction happens because of fission, the splitting of atoms, which of course releases intense energy. And the Apostle Paul actually writes in chapter 1 of Colossians that Jesus Christ created all things, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, and that in him all things hold together. And I think that's very interesting. Yeah, it's key. You know, it's strange but true, but, you know, if you talk to, you know, physicists about what's holding things together, the answer is really nothing. They have names for it, it's an, but it's an invisible force like gravity. And some of us have read that, that little phrase, in him all things hold together, and suggested that it means that really it's God's will or Christ's will, since um, Christ is the agent of creation in the Bible, um, that, that does bind things. That's the invisible force. So that's the strong force, gravity, whatever. It's actually Christ's will. You know, Christ is God, so God's will. And that means that really all he has to do is release his will to basically split every atom on earth. And perhaps that's what Peter means here in our text when he writes that with a roar, the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Now, that's not doctrine. That's not that's not from God. That's just some theorizing. But I think it's I think it's interesting. Look at the language that he uses here. Like how would the apostle Peter describe a nuclear Holocaust? That that might be the way he would describe it. Yeah, it's very interesting, and it's just again, it just creates a great visual for us uh, Christians to imagine what it will be like here. So we will, we will not be here, but at least we can get a visual to to get a you know a grasp on that. And moving on, Second Peter three eleven, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way. What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? And I think that's just a you know great question, Jordan. And my answer to that is people with a proper fear of the Lord is the way we should be. And you know this, according to Scripture and Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, as long as it's a proper fear. Moving on to 2 Peter 3.12, Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, there's that nuclear holocaust again, and the elements will melt with intense heat. Let's focus on looking for and hastening, Andy. Looking for is consistent with being on the watch and living like our Lord will return at any moment. Hastening, however, can lead to ideas that might be false doctrines. You know, as much as Hollywood loves to play with these themes, we can't really speed up God's plan or delay God's plan or delay Armageddon. So the Greek word there, um, is actually spudo, which can be translated desire earnestly. And that's the real meaning here. So Lord, you know, it's the idea of Lord come quickly. There is a phrase that some knowledgeable Christians say at Easter, Maranatha. It's an Aramaic phrase that can be translated, our Lord has come, but also it can be used in an imperative version. And that's what we see here basically is this idea of come, O Lord. So we could translate, you know, spudo as meaning Maranatha, you know, the, the, the whole verse would become looking for the coming day of the Lord and declaring Maranatha, come Lord. 
And Jordan, to wrap this up, 2 Peter 3.13, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And the mention of this promise ties this passage of 2 Peter into a much deeper study of prophecy that begins in Daniel and ends in Revelation. And, you know, speaking of just a new heaven and a new earth, we can look at that in the future in Revelation 21, which does give a full description. Yeah, the exact reference, Andy, would be Revelation 21, 1 to 8, which covers a lot of what we just talked about with the new heaven and the new earth and gets into a lot of detail, including stuff about the lake of fire, which we mentioned earlier, and a powerful, powerful message about inheritance. Amen, Jordan. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes to explain our initiative, Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any questions you may have. And we have a growing Facebook community and a discussion forum. When you're on our site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added. Also, when you sign up for email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series we put together titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. It's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or, if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org will get you there faster. Moving on to Give 20. This is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians find it hard to make time to study God's Word and then feel guilty they aren't able to do it. Studying the Word of God is so vital to our spiritual growth, and yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. This is why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's Word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and click donate. And finally, 20 Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you liked what you heard today and want to go deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes, but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of Scripture we're studying. So if you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thank you so much for your 20 minutes. I'm Andy Balog. And I'm Jordan Pine. May God bless you.
Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All rates reserved, Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.